this message that I want to share with you, I've titled it, Good Heavens, Oh Hell. And um, if you want to take some notes, um, the scripture passage that we want to look at is Luke chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles handy, um, you could turn there or pull it up on your phone, and I'd, I'd like you to follow along as best you can. And uh, I want to encourage you guys, bring your Bibles to church and um, bring pens and mark out scriptures. How many of you are scripture markers? Okay, most of you, praise the Lord. That is good, I'm too. And um, Mark 16, and uh, what? Luke 16, thank you. Why don't you guys just preach? Luke 16. And this, you know, there was something I was realizing. A couple of weeks ago, I was having breakfast with a a group of Josh Jen elders, young elders. We just had a surf together and we were having breakfast at a table view. And... um, The conversation was going around a lot of things, home, you know, a lot of them have got young kids at home, and, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to prepare a message when, you know, your kids are noisy, and so we were talking about that, and and, uh, one of the guys just said, hey, it's not a problem, I've got noise-canceling headphones, you know, just put the head, you know, put it on noise-canceling, and you don't hear nothing. (laughs) The other one said, me too, I've got the noise-canceling earpods. And, uh, you know, my kids can be, you know, screaming and crying. And I put them on and I just, all you see is lips moving (laughs) and tears. And, hey, we just cancel out. And I was looking and I was thinking, I've also got noise cancelling headphones too. And I'm like, they really do work. You know, it's great for parents. And, um, but yet, you know, it started me thinking. Our culture. What are we cancelling out that we should be hearing? What is it in the Bible that you should be seeing, but that you're not seeing? What is it that you should be hearing that you're not hearing? What should we be preaching that we're not preaching, that we just cancel out because of our culture, that we are not listening? And I started thinking about heaven and hell. And you know, it used to be Jeff could tell you, back in the day, you preached about hell every Sunday. You preached about heaven. It was all people thought about all week. In fact, I want to tell you guys, true story. I, I, back in the day, my first car, I, I had the back covered in stickers, and I had this one big bright sticker. It said, turn or burn. Like, that was, that, that was, that was the regular 20 years ago. And um, it was another sticker. What was it? When the, will the road you're on get you to my place? And, and there was serious stuff. And, you know, I had to just think about when last did I preach on heaven and hell? When last did I think intensely about heaven and hell? And I realized there are a lot of things that are canceling out those thoughts. And I had to get my heart right with the Lord. 
And I don't know when the last time you heard a message about heaven and hell. And um, today's your day. Hold on to your seats. But um, I believe that this is so important for our culture. We need to know this stuff. We need to be sharing this and talking about it. And um, the scripture we're looking at here in Luke 16, it's the only account in the whole Bible where you've got a conversation with someone who's in hell. And there's a conversation going on, and that conversation is recorded in your Bible and my Bible. And we do good to listen to what that person is saying. And, uh, and, and guys, this is serious stuff. And uh, I want to encourage you because you might not be like Adrian over there that a weekend passed a heart attack, but guys, life is short. Life is short. And not only for us, for the people around us. And so we've got to be ready. And um, I want to read this passage to you. And it is a, a one that can remember the first time I heard it. It was a Southern Baptist preacher from Georgia who had come to Cape Town, Fred McCoy, and um, he was preaching. I was a boy of 14 sitting in my school, and he came to preach to us, and his text was the rich man and Lazarus. And he preached, and I can remember... <laughs> my fingernails clenching into that seat. And I was saved. But, you know, when he started sharing what hell is like, and I was like, whoa, this is heavy. This is intense. But heaven is also blessed. And so we've got to look at both these together. And it says in verse 19, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously Every day. Now, back in these days, a, when you say someone was clothed in purple, in fine linen, purple was the most expensive kind of clothing you could get. Purple was from the era of Phoenicia, where the city of Tyre, where they made, they would crush shellfish. And apparently you needed a few thousand shellfish just to be able to dye a small section of cloth. And so this was very, very valuable. Um, in fact, when Paul the Apostle went into Philippi and he was preaching there, he met a lady, her name was Lydia, a believer. And the Bible says that, that she was a merchant, she was a seller of purple. And so this was the real kingly clothing. This was like the most expensive clothes you could get. So guys, if you were walking through a shopping mall, just think of the most expensive clothing that you could look at. This man was clothed in it. And uh, it says fine linen, and he feasted sumptuously. He whined and he dined, and he had the best of everything. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. And moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. Now these were not like your domestic kind of dogs that you are used to when you hear of a dog. This was like for those of you who've traveled into Africa, 
it was those kind of dogs. Okay? The wild ones that have saliva that are diseased themselves and they are licking into him and ugh, this is just awful. And it says that at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus. So no doubt, this man is crippled. He's got to be carried to the gates and he's just laid there and he's just looking for whatever he can find on the refuse heap. And it says there now the time came for him to die. And the poor man died and he was carried by the angels to Abram's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, hell being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abram afar off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abram, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in anguish in this flame. But but Abram said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish, And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And the rich man said, And I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abram said, They have Moses and the prophets, Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abram, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Right over here, you've got a very vivid description of heaven and hell. And, you know, when we think about these two places, I want to say this to you, and this is important, that there's nothing on this earth that should excite you more than heaven. And in the same light, that there is nothing on this earth that should scare you more than hell. And as we dive into this and we look at this, I want to share with you five truths that God would have us know about heaven and about hell, and about eternity. And we need to consider these carefully. And I want to ask you, don't put on those noise-canceling headphones. Listen carefully to what Jesus is telling us over here. The first thing I want you to see over here as we look at this is that God wants you and I to know that heaven and hell are real places. They are real places. Now, if the devil could be trying to put on those noise-canceling headphones, what would he be saying? What is the voice of the age? Well, (laughs) the pastor's just trying to scare you. Don't listen to him. Don't take anything of what the Bible says about heaven and hell literally. Have you heard that? No, heaven and hell is not literal. Yeah? You know, what's interesting about this passage that we look at is some Bibles have titled the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And you know, for years, I believed this was a parable. And then one day, I started looking, and I said, 
doesn't say parable. You know, sometimes when Jesus said, Jesus spoke this parable. It never says it was a parable. And I started studying and looking into this. And I realized that all the parables that Jesus told, there was never given a specific name of a person. Lazarus. And in all the parables that Jesus told, he never told a parable that involved a person of the Old Testament, Abraham. This isn't a parable. This is a real account of two people that lived on earth like you and like me that died and that they went up into heaven and to hell. And Jesus, of course, knew because he was, before he came down to earth, he was in heaven. And so Jesus knew this. He knew that there were real places. There is so much reality. And I, I, I think if I'm leading in any direction, I'm a literalist when I read the Bible. You know, if it tells me that there's a new Jerusalem, I believe it. Hey, there's a Jerusalem coming, and it's not like the Jerusalem we know, but there's a new Jerusalem. And it measures the dimensions. It tells you that there's walls around it. It tells us how high the walls are. It gives us measurements. I believe those. And it tells us how many gates there are, 12 gates. And it tells us of the streets of gold. I believe it's gold. I'm, I'm, I'm not like, well, that's got to be figurative. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm like literal. If you're a figurative person, figure this out. <laughs> it's for real. And at very least, if you are a figurative-leaning person, at least you and I can see eye to eye in one thing. There's heaven and hell. Let's just agree on the basics here. There's heaven and hell. But when Jesus speaks about hell and he tells us there's a lake of fire, there's fire, we've got to realize that this is real. And so um, when you read Revelation 21 and it's telling us about, about heaven and it's telling us about the lake of fire and all that, we need to take these things seriously because this is involving the most priced, most costly person you, your soul, and where your soul will spend eternity. So these are real places. So write that down. Secondly, God wants us to have hope. Death is not the end. It's a Christian's Uber ride to heaven. That's what I believe. You know, um, have you heard that saying that death is not the end of the road, but the bend in the road? All of us, we're going to die. And you know, death for us can either be your best friend or your worst enemy. Because if you're in Christ and you've been saved, the Bible says, death, where is your sting? You know, once a, a bee has stung you once, and I've been stung many times, growing up as a boy, playing outside, once a bee stung you once, it can't do anything to you. It's useless. And that for us is death because Jesus got stung on the cross 2,000 years ago by death. He overcame it. And the Bible says, for you and me who are in Christ, where, O oh death, is your sting? It's gone. And um, I love, as I'm reading this and thinking, you know, the, the, the devil, and again, he's trying to cancel out the truths of what Jesus is saying. 
And he says, hey, enjoy your life. Live for today. Live your dreams. Death and grave is the end of everything. And Jesus says it's just the beginning of eternity. And so we've got to realize, hey, this stuff is real. We can have hope. You know, the the thief that was hanging on the cross when he acknowledged his sin to Jesus, and that is something that we must all do, is to acknowledge that we are sinners. And he did it publicly, and he said, Lord, remember me when you get into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I tell you, assuredly, today you'll be with me in paradise. And that is the truth of the gospel, because you know, there's no religion on this earth that gives guarantees. Except Jesus. Because when he says, I tell you the truth, assuredly, that's guarantee. And so we got his word on it. To die, the Bible says, to be absent for the believer, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. So we have that hope. Notice, here if you look at this passage, that this was immediate. It was the moment Lazarus breathed his last, he died, immediately he was in the presence of God. He was in heaven. And the rich man, the moment he died, he was in Hades. There was no long waiting period. You know, it's not like when we die, we kind of come into one of those ATM lines on a Friday afternoon, after payday, and you're now like waiting, how long is this going to take? No, it's immediate. We find ourselves there. I want you to notice something else also. That the way the rich man went into Hades and the way that Lazarus went into heaven were two different ways. All it says about that rich man is he died and he was buried and he was in Hades. But for Lazarus, it says he was escorted by the angels. The Bible in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, it tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will receive salvation. And there is a beauty in that, the fact that on your deathbed, when you are preparing to breathe your last breaths, an angel will be sent to you to take you up into heaven. Or if you're big like Jeff, maybe more than one. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But, you know, I, we, I, I was privileged to grow up with a, a grandmother that loved Jesus uh, on my mother's side, loved Jesus. And she grew up on a farm in the Eastern Cape and lived in that area. And um, godly, godly woman, Joanna was her name. And when she began sick. I was, I was a young boy, but I can remember um, us being around her hospital bed, and there she was, and just struggling to breathe. And uh, at one point, she was, my mother was standing there at the foot of her bed, and she said, who's that man in white standing next to you? And my mom looked, and there's no one. Who's that man in white? And shortly after, she died and went to heaven. See, the Bible, when it tells us these things, believe them. Take it literally. He was escorted by the angels. Thirdly, God wants us to know that there are more blessings in heaven 
then our minds can compute. The devil, when he tries to cancel out the truths about heaven, he says, why look forward to what you can't see? Look around you. Enjoy the pleasures of this world. Heard that before? Don't let it cancel out the truths about heaven and hell. You know, this, where it speaks in verse 22, in verse 24, and listen, when Jesus is telling us all this, and it says, as the rich man called out and he said, Father Abram, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water to cool my tongue, for I'm in anguish in this flame. And Abram said, child, remember that in your lifetime, you received good things, and there is in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted, and you are in anguish. And so, understand this, that this torment that he is experiencing, but Lazarus experience can comfort. And you know, them. if you are looking for comfort in this world, you're only going to find it in very small doses. But ultimately in heaven, in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And uh, Paul the Apostle, he said, I'm struggling in this life in Philippians. Right? He said, I'm hard pressed. Uh, do I stay on earth and minister to you people? Or do I go up to heaven? Well, tell you the truth, I'd much rather go up into heaven. But hey, you know, it's more needful for me to be around. That's how, that's how all of us pastors should be. All of us in ministry, you know, we need to minister to you guys every Sunday. But you know what? I'd rather be in heaven. You know, when, when that thief on the cross and Jesus says to him, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Guys, when I grew up, so I, I was a surfer. And um, let, let's get that right. I am grown up. <laughs> when I was growing up. And um, I, used to, I used to dream about Hawaii. There, there was my, how many of you ever watched an episode of Magnum P.I.? Okay? That was my program. I would not miss an episode for anything. And, you know, when that music came on, how did it go? That music came on, the Magnum P.I. soundtrack. I would come running across the house and I'd be in front of the TV. I dreamt, you know, I used to, in, when I was sitting in class at school and I used to draw, I had this like standing kind of little island that I would draw. Palm trees, seagulls, single set of footprints, surfboard, beautiful waves breaking. And I dreamed about Hawaii. That's where I wanted to end up. And uh, Hawaii was expensive to get to. But I saved up and and uh, I had another friend who also wanted to go to Hawaii, and we saved up and saved up. We worked hard, and eventually we got our plane tickets, and we were off to Hawaii. And uh, I can remember just flying on Aloha Airlines, flying in and coming up, and this beautiful sight as the cloud, because there was a big bank of clouds, and suddenly as you come under the clouds and you see those green volcanic mountains, peaks, and the golden sand, and the beautiful blue water, and I was like, I've got to pinch myself, is this real? No way, it's like, you know, you want to hug the flight attendant, this is like, oh, why? You know, and guys, this is really, um, you know, and, and 
Right, the, the tragedy of that trip, by the way, the tragedy of the trip was we could only afford two weeks. And I had to climb back on that same airplane. I remember looking at my friend and going, what did we just do? Like, are we stupid? You know, I'd rather live on the streets than have to leave this place. Heaven is somewhere you'll never have to leave. We're going to be there for eternity with the Lord. And how awesome it's going to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, and it says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has mind imagined the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Now that scripture, kind of what it's saying to me is, Dimitri, you can talk about heaven till you're blue in the face, but those people are not going to get it. You're not going to get it. Because heaven is a much, 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 much better place than what we could ever in our minds comprehend. And God says, I'm preparing a place for you. Jesus said that in John 14. And maybe, hey, maybe there's someone here and your life hasn't looked good. It's been like Lazarus. You've struggled through life. Things haven't just fallen well for you. And however you're finding yourself today could just be in that place and it's just the dogs are licking your wounds. But you know Jesus. You believe in him. And you perhaps even wonder in your mind and you think, I believe in Jesus. If I believe in him, why is my life going so hard? And the Lord's saying, your life is not here. Your life is there. And Jesus says in John 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many, many rooms. I go there to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. And what an amazing promise that is. But look what he says. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe and you will receive. Believe and you will enter that place. And he says that where I am, you may be also. Revelation, we see the fulfillment of that. And he says his servants shall serve him and they shall see his face and his name shall be written upon their heads. What an amazing experience that's going to be when we enter into all of this. Is that good so far? Just two more, and then I'm going to close. Number four, God wants us to know that in eternity, we will be real living people with real bodies, real senses, and real memories. <laughs> the devil says, ah, this pastor is so small-minded. There are many theories about the afterlife, soul, sleep, African spiritism, reincarnation. No one knows for sure. And that's really what the world says. And guys, we've got to understand that when Jesus is telling us that, that this rich man is talking, he's communicating, he's got a body, he's referring to his tongue. Lazarus has got a finger that he can dip in water and touch his tongue with. And, and this is real. And so we've got to realize even our senses and our memories when Abram is speaking to the rich man, he 
He says, child, remember. Some people ask questions about heaven and hell. And they say, well, in hell or heaven, will we remember people on earth? How many brothers did the rich man have? Five. Did he remember that? Yes. Did he know where they lived? Yes, he said, in my father's house. He remembered. He could feel heat. He said, I'm tormented in this flame. He could experience all those things. We will have our senses. We will have bodies. How do you know you'll have bodies? I mean, when you die and your body is in the the grave, your soul goes up. Yes, I understand that. But we will have bodies there. Jesus said, remember when he was speaking and he said, if your eye causes you to sin, if your hand causes you to sin, what must you do? Cut it out. And he says, it's more profitable for you to enter into heaven missing an eye or missing a hand, then that your whole body be cast into hell. There will be bodies in hell. And so we don't understand everything. That's a bit high grade. But what I do realize is that this man was experiencing real pain, real suffering, real torment. And Jesus, when he rose again from the dead, it was a real body. Okay, so there is this resurrection. And number five and last, God wants us to know that in heaven, Christ's servants will be honored. There's honor for us in heaven. In hell, sinners will be forsaken. And (laughs) the devil, that's just a fairy tale. Cinderella, you can be royalty now. Look your best, wine and dine, dress well, relax. Your best days are ahead, number one. Okay? Doesn't that just appeal to our pride? Okay, hey, this world is all there is. Go for it. But we will be honored. There, there is such an amazing thing and truth in this because, you know, when you think about this account, it's the rich man and Lazarus. Okay? The rich man is unnamed. Lazarus is named. You see, in heaven, our names will be remembered. The Bible says that when any one of us become a believer, our names are recorded in the Lamb's book of life. Now, it doesn't say that there's a record of the names of those who are not saved. It just says they die and they're forgotten. It just says the rich man. Who is he? I don't know. You see, the most horrible thing, and guys, just think about this in our social media generation that we are living in. How important is your name? Who you are? Your identity? You know, we want to be known. We want to be recognized. We want people to see us. But in hell, it says, outer darkness, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, fire, forgotten. Lazarus, he's right next to Abram. He's in the presence of others. The rich man, you might think he's the only person living there because I think that The souls of those that are lost, they get forgotten. They they wouldn't even know if there's someone else in hell next to them. I used to have some friends and we go, hey, you know, we're not going to accept Jesus. We're just going to all party in hell. Who are you going to party with? (laughs) Huh? No one's going to see you. And so, so, this is so real. And so, guys, this really, how it speaks to my heart is it just tells me, guys, don't Store your treasures on this earth. Don't live for this earth. 
Live for heaven. Lazarus, you know, James and John, when, when they were with Jesus one day and they said, Lord, we've got a request. Just grant with us in heaven that we can sit, one of us on your right, one of us on your left, in your kingdom. And Jesus said, do you know what you're asking for? And they said, well, we thought we did. He said, to sit on my right, to sit on my left, is not mine for give. It's for those for whom it is prepared. And what a beautiful thing that Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He says, there's a seat for you for whom it is prepared. Now, what an amazing thing to think about is that that beggar, Lazarus, guys, this is going to blow your mind when you hear this, that beggar, Lazarus, nobody on earth, we don't know him, it's not David, it's not Noah, it's not Moses, it's Lazarus, the nobody beggar, the cripple guy, who the dogs lick his sores, his seat in heaven is next to Abraham. What's waiting for you? Where's your place? Guys, I book David, by the way. <laughs> I love his songs. But just what an amazing thing that God's even prepared that seat, that place for us, where we can be with him. What a beautiful thing. Last thing, and I want to close with this. It tells us in verse 26 that there's this chasm, this great divide. And when Abram is saying, son, no, there's no ways. Lazarus can't go to give you water, and you can't come to us. There's this great rift, there's this divide, and no one can pass from this way to that way, no one can pass from that way to this way. It's sealed. And that really puts an incredibly huge task upon all of us. And that task is the most important task on this planet. Are you saved? Are you going to heaven when you die? And those friends and those family around you, do they know Jesus? Have you shared the gospel with them? And I want to ask you this question. It might sound pretty blunt to someone sitting here, especially if you're not in the kingdom, but if you had 24 hours to live, where would you spend eternity? In heaven or in hell? And that is so important because if everything you have heard and read today is real, that means I've got to do something about it. I wouldn't commit my life to something that's not real, but if something is real, I'm committing it. And when you think about real things, heaven is real, hell is real, suffering is real, comfort is real, Abram is real, Lazarus is real, Jesus is real. And you know, sometimes we can treat everything we read in the Bible and just go, ah, that, you know, yes, okay, happened a long time ago, whatever. But you know, when I read about Jesus dying on a cross, wearing a crown of thorns, taking a suffering for my sin and your sin, and I realized that if I lived 2,000 years ago and if I lived in Jerusalem, that I could walk out along the streets out 
of the gates and I could come up and there would be three crosses on the hill of Calvary and I could walk up to the three crosses and I could go to the middle one and I could look and I could see Jesus, Son of God. And as I would look at him, I would no doubt see a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of pain, a lot of anguish. And if I really wanted to, I could walk up and I could run my hand along the cross and my hand would be red with his blood. Why? Because it's real. It really, really happened. And you might be here today and you say, my suffering is real. My pains are real. Or you might be on the other side and you say, my wealth is real. I've got money. I'm comfortable. I've got my house. It doesn't say he was an evil person. It just said he had everything that life could offer and he lived for himself. And the poor man who had nothing, it doesn't say he went to heaven because he had nothing. He had Jesus. And the rich man didn't. And I want to encourage you this morning because on Friday I had a meeting with a girl. She was a young girl at that time. She was in our youth. And she accepted Christ and I baptized her. And uh, she went through some hard times. Uh, Parents split up. She ended up on the streets in Cape Town. Went through some terrible times. I hadn't seen her for about 10 years. I just saw something on Facebook that really alarmed me that she was living in a very bad sexual relationship and um, contacted her. We met up at McDonald's. I bought her a cold drink. We sat down in the gardens on a bench and I spoke to her and I said, what happened? What happened to you? And uh, she began to tell me a story and um, I said, you are so broken. And as she's telling me, I'm thinking of this guy, Lazarus. Dogs licking his wounds. And there's a young girl that's, well, an old girl now, she's in her 30s. But the pain, the anguish, the suffering, the bad decisions, the alcohol, the drugs, and everything that's just messed up her life. And I could bring her back to Jesus. And I mean, it was quite an emotional time. And I was, as she was talking, and she's kind of weeping. And I said, you are so broken. And that other woman you're living with, she is so broken. You're two broken people. You're not going to fix anything. Only Jesus can fix up that. And I was able to just pray with her and bring her back into the Lord. And she confessed her sins, and it was the most special, special, special moment. And Jesus tells us this, and he says, that rich man lost everything. You don't have to lose everything because of Jesus, because of one person who shed his blood for you. And I want to pray, and I want to ask us guys, because I I, I just think this is such an important moment we, we can look into our own hearts and our own lives. And I want to pray and I want to put to you that exact same question that I put to that girl. And I said to her, if you had 24 hours to live, 
and you went into eternity, where would you go, to heaven or to hell? And she said, I don't know. And perhaps you're here this morning and you're like, I don't know. Won't you accept Jesus today? Because Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the way. I'm the way. He shed his blood for you. 